I'm going to preach something that I have not ever preached from in 20 years of pastoring. I've never preached from this verse in 20 years of pastoring. So I'm really excited to preach it today. And so how, this is how it's going to go. We're going to walk through a little bit of context to understand uh, the backdrop of what is happening as we read this verse. And then my hope today is, is to the best of my ability, like a fire hose, is to just encourage you, encourage you, encourage you today. Is that all right with everybody? How many of you, show of hands, how many of you would say, I just need some encouragement today. I just need some encouragement today. Okay, this is your service then, okay? And this is what it means. Everybody, everybody just uh, lean in with me today. To be encouraged means not to have fake happiness. That's not encouragement. Encouragement is to have courage placed in us. So it's not that I hope you walk out of here just feeling good about things. I actually hope that you walk out of here because of what we're gonna learn about Jesus, you walk out of here with some strong courage to take on everything that God has in front of you today. Come on, somebody. And so here, here's the rules of engagement, okay? This is the rules of warfare around here. The more you preach back at me, the better I preach. Okay? If there's faith in the room, it's amazing what God will do. If there's some expectation in the room. So everybody, like, just come on, put your shoulders up. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell him, get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on. Get, get, turn back to your neighbor and say, listen, I'm trying to listen. Be quiet, all right? Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says this. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders, okay? And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Today, as we continue on in our series, Majesty, I wanna to speak to you from this subject today. If you're writing notes, write this at the top of your paper today. It's important, okay? This is the title of my message today. It's in the name. It's in the name. As we look at what the name of Jesus means for all of us this Christmas season. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, I pray today that your presence would be so tangible in this room right now. That as your word goes forth, as truth goes forth, that our lives would be transformed and changed. That where there's truth, our heart comes alive. Where there's truth, scales fall off of our eyes. Where there's truth, our mind thinks differently. So God, we thank you for your word, which is truth for our lives. It is the truth to which we build everything on. And so we love you, we honor you, we praise you today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and all God's people shouted. And the church shouted. Amen. Show of hands, how many of you would say that names are important? Na names are important. How many of you, okay, let's put it this way. And uh, you, this is participation sport today, so don't back out. How many of you would say your name is important? Come on. Some of you don't know whether to raise your hand or not. Um, we've got a lot of pregnant ladies around here and uh, a few on our staff. And so I know uh, just personally that uh, the choosing of a name, parents, how many of you would, how many of you agree with me? The choosing of a name is like a really important moment. There's actually sometimes that stress. We shouldn't be stressed about it, but like I watch people freak out in the name of making a name. And, uh, and so I've watched this happen in people's lives because names are important. I've got three kiddos. Every single one of their names was chosen on purpose. 
on purpose. It wasn't like that in origination though, okay? So when we were pregnant with our first, my, my boy's name is Justice, and we named him that on purpose because we're believing something over his life. We believe that it's a name that God chose for him. But in all honesty, that's not how it started out. I originally wanted to name him Jet. And do you wanna know why? Because it was cool. That was the only reason I wanted to name my son Jet, because it sounded cool. I was like, if we name him Jet, he's gonna be cool for the rest of his life. It's gonna be, it'll go well for him in school. It'd be Jet. He's got his blonde hair, it'd be Jet. And it'd be really cool because his name is Jet. And then God got a hold of us and he's like, no, you're not gonna name him Jet. That doesn't mean anything for your boy. We're gonna name him Justice. And every single one of our kids after that, their name is on purpose. So I went to the internet this week and I, I was like, I wanna know what names mean. So I'm gonna give you just a quick qualifier. If your name is on this list and you are finding out for the first time what it means, I apologize in advance. Talk to your parents after service, okay? Because some of these names may not mean what you think they mean. I've had people offended at me all day long. I didn't say, and I don't even know if these meanings are true. They're just funny to me. So we're gonna start off a little humor today. Is that all right with everybody? So apparently Cecilia, it's a beautiful name, isn't it? Cecilia, I'm not gonna have you raise your hand if you're in here, but uh, apparently that name means blind or dim-sighted. I don't know. For all the Olivia's in the house, I love this one. Uh, it means olive tree or olive branches. That's where a lot of people get it. But apparently there's some other meanings. It means strong army, which is good for you, or elf army. Whatever one you choose, you are the leader of an elf army. It's fine. The name, the name Caesar apparently means hairy. I, didn't, I did not know this. All right. Some of you are looking at your neighbor, their name is Caesar, and you're like, yep, adds up. Um, did you know that the name Kennedy means ugly head or helmet head in Irish? Ugly head. <laughs> the name Campbell, uh, this one's really weird. It actually means crooked mouth. Now let's just stop for a second. I wanna know where somebody came up with the meaning of something, looked at a child and were like, let's name him Campbell, meaning crooked mouth, right? Like that's, that's horrible parenting right there, but we, we digress, all right. So the top 100 boys' names in the US, this name falls into it, the name is Cameron, and apparently it means crooked nose in Gaelic. So, that, so there you go, if you're a Cameron in here. And apparently, Philip means lover of horses, fantastic. You know, what's interesting is people have been fascinated with names for generations. But the name that one was given across history has been of great importance. Nowadays, we're not actually as enamored with the meaning of name as much as the aesthetic of the name. Like how many of you agree with me? We have a tendency to choose names right now because it sounds cool, like Jet. But biblically speaking, the name one was given, it carried with it great significance. A name would carry purpose, it would carry authority. A name would be a sign of royalty. A name would have faith attached to it. We would see biblically that names would be changed, I love this, as a person was transformed by the power of God. So they would no longer be identified with the name given to them by their parents, but rather by the name given to them by God. We would see this in the life of Abraham, as his name would be Abram, in Genesis 17, transformed to Abraham. 
We would see this in Genesis 17, as Sarai would move to Sarah. Genesis 32, Jacob to Israel. Numbers 13, Hosea to Joshua. 2 Samuel 12, Solomon to Jedediah. 2 Kings, Mattaniah to Zedekiah. John chapter one, Simon to Peter. And some names that you may not be familiar with, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah would become Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And come on, somebody, they would live their life for the glory of God as their name was transformed by him. Come on, someone shout, it's in the name. We're gonna shout that a lot today. These amongst others show the importance of a name. I wanna introduce you to a few other names this morning. The first name I wanna introduce us to is the name Ahaz. He would presumably be the recipient of Isaiah's prophecy right here in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. There's a lot attached to his name. Most of what we know about him is found in 2 Kings chapter 16, verses one to 20 and 2 Chronicles 28. Verses one to 25. I want you to see what the Bible says about this man in his name. Ahaz, as we read in verse two of chapter 16 in 2 Kings, it says this, he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. How many of you would love that to be said of you in the Bible? <laughs> right, like Ahaz, everything that we know about him. This is, this is the beginning of our introduction to him in 2 Kings, and it says he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. Check this out, 2 Chronicles chapter 28. This is what it says, verse one. He did not do what was right in the Lord's sight. Ahaz was an evil king who took on kingdom leadership early in his life only to squander his power and his responsibility. He would engage in destructive practices that would include idol worship by creating cast images of foreign idols. He would burn incense to appease foreign gods. He would engage, listen to this, in murder by burning his own children alive to imitate the practices of other nations around him, child sacrifice. All this was done, this is why he would do all these things. All of this was done so that he could win the political favor and protection of an evil king, the king of Assyria. He thought to himself that if he would copy these things, if he would do these things, that he would find himself in good graces with the Assyrian king. Isn't it interesting, just as, a, as an aside, that we think that if we can copy the ways of the world that we will find peace in the world? But can I tell you that it's never found that way? It's always found when we follow the ways of God that we actually find the peace that we are looking for, even in a world that is going sideways. But Ahaz, Ahaz would fight to try to find a place of safety with the king of Assyria. King Ahaz's behaviors and leadership would cost the kingdom of Judah dearly. They would be subject to war, oppression, plunder, distress, death. It was bleak and it was an extensively dark season because of this king. Now because of this, we're introduced to another name. That name is Isaiah. Isaiah was the son of Amos. Isaiah's me name means this, the salvation of Yahweh. It would be safe to say that this, his ministry spanned for about 60 years and his prophetic voice was used during the reign of about three to four kings. One of those kings was Ahaz. Now Isaiah would deal significantly with two of these kings, Ahaz and Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. 
And here's what we know about Hezekiah, is that Hezekiah was not the same type of king as his father Ahaz, which tells me that when God is at work in our lives, we are not subject to what happened generations before us, that we can still choose a different path by the presence and the power of God. It doesn't matter what your dad did before you, come on somebody, there's still something in front of you. It doesn't matter what's in your generational line, there's still something before you. Why? Because you can always change your name with God. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? And so Isaiah would deal with both of these kings. And if you want a great study, I would, I would just encourage you to dig into the Bible and this section of, of history. Isaiah would witness much of the darkness and travesty taking place within the kingdoms of Judah and Israel and eventually their subsequent fall. Now, during all of this tension, all of this evil, all of this plotting and darkness, God would give words to Isaiah, words of hope. Anybody need some hope today? Give him words of light to bring to these kings and people, specifically to Ahaz. Listen to what Isaiah would do. He would introduce Ahaz to another name found in Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and his name, Emmanuel. Now, Isaiah would prophesy that there was one coming, being given by the Lord himself, and his name would be Emmanuel, meaning this, God with us, or with us is God. But then he would move on from the introduction of this new name and he would continue to prophesy about a greater darkness, a, a greater pain, a greater war, a greater oppression, and a greater, a greater evil that would come upon them. He would prophesy about them wandering through the land, dejected and hungry and famished. And because of all this, the people would become enraged and they would look upward and curse God. Because of all this, this is what Isaiah goes on to say in Isaiah chapter eight, verse 22. He says, they will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, and the gloom of affliction. And they will be driven into thick darkness. I know, super encouraging this morning. But here's what I want us to recognize today. And I just wanna, I wanna acknowledge in the room today. This is, what, this is the reality that many of us are facing. It seems to be where much of our world is at today. Much of the experience of life right now can be like looking toward the earth and seeing only distress and darkness and gloom and affliction. And listen, my natural tendency is to be an optimist, not a pessimist. But how many of you know you can get on social media right now? You can watch the news right now. It doesn't matter what station you turn to. It's darkness, it's gloom, it's pessimism, it's hatred, it's war, it's famine, and it's disease. How many of you would recognize and acknowledge that with me today, that the world seems to be a gloomy place? But I want us to realize and remember and know that there is a light that is cutting through it all and is found in a name and his name, come on, somebody, is Jesus. Come on, someone shout, it's in a name. And that's where many of us are right now. But Isaiah would go on to use one of the most beautiful words found in all of scripture. I'm a words guy. I love words. I specifically look up words in the dictionary to try to use them in any random sentence I possibly can during the week. It's just a weird thing that I do. So I love words. 
And so before Isaiah prophesies, chapter nine, verse six, as we read at the beginning of this message, he says this beautiful word in verse one of chapter nine. Watch what it is. He says in Isaiah chapter nine, verse one, nevertheless, nevertheless, I take refuge in nevertheless. I find confidence in the fact that God is a nevertheless God. I find strength in the truth that nevertheless the situation, God is still at work. And that would be the declaration of Isaiah. And to make the declaration once again, a name would be used and Isaiah would declare with thundering words our opening scripture, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prayer. Of peace. He will be named. Come on, someone shout it's in the name. And so Isaiah tells us that there's some things about the name of Jesus that we must understand. And that's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about today. Is who is this Jesus? What do these descriptions mean for you and for me? for our lives. Because I think sometimes what we can do is we can look at Jesus and it be- he becomes this ethereal concept. He's like this little fairy tale. He's like this little thing that like we acknowledge Jesus at Christmas time. We look at uh, like four ounce, seven pound baby Jesus. Come on, does anybody else have Ricky Bobby in the back of their mind during Christmas season? Right? But can I tell you, Jesus is so much more than that. He is God put on flesh, incarnate, lived, walked, laughed, played, built. Come on, somebody. And he, and he lived so that he could die. And the bookends of his life are predicated on two wooden apparatuses, a manger and a cross. He started out humble, he left humble, but he will come back in glory. Oh, come on, is there faith rising in the room today? He will be named. Well, what's his first name? Verse shot number one. It's the first thing that he will be named. Wonderful counselor. Come on, wonderful counselor. I have a counselor. Did you know that? I I visit with her uh, one to two times a, one to two times a month. And it's part of my, it's part of my kind of like internal board that I have. I've got a counselor. I've got somebody who, who is uh, working with me on an executive level. I have a health coach who was actually here this morning coming into town. Uh, he came here and uh, my son saw him and goes, dad, he's so buff, not like you. And I was like, thanks son. He's my coach, he better be. And so I have all these things in my life. Why, what am I looking for in life? I'm looking for wise counsel. Does anybody need some wise counsel in their life? If you said no to that question, let's talk after service. I wanna, I wanna help you out with that. We all need wise counsel. But the Bible says that he's a wonderful counselor. Over 80 times, the Hebrew word, palah, its subsequent noun, which is used here in Isaiah 9, 6, and its adjective, when it is used, it is the nearest Hebrew word to describe that which is supernatural. A counselor is one who gives wisdom. So a better rendering would be that Jesus is a supernatural wisdom giver. He is our supernatural counselor. 
So you can look far and wide. You can have as many people in your life as you possibly can, but you will never receive the type of counsel from a human person that you will receive from Jesus. When God is working in your life through his word, come on somebody, there is not a greater wisdom on the planet. There is not a greater wisdom in a book. There is not a greater wisdom in the person next to you. Supernatural wisdom comes from God. Is there anybody in the house today that needs some supernatural wisdom in their life? Man, I do, because I'm a knucklehead. Do I got any knuckleheads in the house? Come on, somebody. Knuckleheads need supernatural wisdom. This would be the encouragement of James as he writes, James chapter one, verse five, listen to this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. See, if I'm honest, I have to always ask God for wisdom. And I don't know how many A-type personalities in the room like that you would, you would agree, like you would do the same thing I do. How many of you, you go straight for a book, you start researching, give me the data sets, I need A, B, C, and D. You start looking on the ingredients of life and you're trying to do this wisdom thing and you, you ask people and you interview people and you make phone calls. Like when I'm trying to figure out a problem, it's really interesting, I'm just letting you, like a, just a download of who I am. When I'm trying to figure out a problem, if I'm honest with you, my natural inclin, in, inclination is not to go to God. I know, oh, he's our pastor. <laughs> Like, I don't go to my knees. For, that's not my natural inclination. I'll try to find a book. I'll, I'll, I'll look like at data sets. I'll research, research, research. But here's the thing, is that a lot of the problems that I'm facing, a lot of the situations that I'm facing, they're spiritual in nature, not natural in nature. And here's the rub. We often try to take care of supernatural issues with natural abilities. We try to take care of supernatural issues through natural abilities. But Paul the Apostle would tell us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 to 13, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything, take your stand. Maybe somebody needs to hear like this today. A firm stance is taken with the legs of wisdom. Someone needs to write that down today. A firm stance is taken with the legs of wisdom. Maybe another way to say it is like this. Don't skip leg day. Come on, that's a word for some of us, both supernaturally and naturally. Come on, don't, come on, every turn neighbor say, don't skip leg day. Come on, turn back to your neighbor and say, stop looking at my legs. Have you seen those guys before? It's generically guys, okay? We'll spend hours in the gym. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen the guys? They have, like, they have all this up here and no wisdom down here. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, right? And the funny thing is like a swift wind would take them over because they're top heavy, <laughs> right? They're just like bloated marshmallows on toothpicks. It's just like, they'll go down, bro. Watch out for that wind, you'll go down. So a firm stance is taken with the legs of wisdom. That's why I say, don't, don't skip leg day. Some of us need more wisdom than we need anything else. You don't need more giftedness, you need wisdom. You don't need more talent, you need, you need wisdom. You don't need more opportunity, you need wisdom. You don't need another relationship, you need wisdom for the ones you got. 
Come on, somebody. You need a table group. You don't, you don't need everybody around you. You don't need another degree. You need to apply that degree. Come on, somebody shout wisdom. And it shouts from the rooftops, the Bible says. So why Proverbs 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verses 6 to 7 says this, don't abandon wisdom. Have you ever abandoned wisdom before? Have you ever had wisdom for something? You're like, I know I have this wisdom, but today we're just gonna abandon ship. Come on, have you ever abandoned the wisdom ship in a relationship? And then you're like, man, I shouldn't have abandoned wisdom on that one. Come on, singles in the house, the next time you go on a date, get wisdom. Come on, somebody, get, get wisdom. We, we said, I'm gonna go on a total bunny trail right now. Just let me do it. It's the third service today. It's a lot of fun. We've talked to people before. Erica, Erica's like, she's a sniper when it comes to this stuff. So she'll like singles ask her like, hey, so like, how, how, do you, how do you do like a first date? And Erica's like, ask them all the questions on the planet. They're like, isn't that weird? She's like, no, you need to know what they think about Jesus. You need to know what they think about the Bible. You need to know where they work, if they work. Do you have a job? No, date over. <laughs> this is first date material, guys. What do you do when you get angry, right? Are you Wreck-It Ralph? Come on, someone shout, get wisdom. This stuff is important. We need wisdom for our relationships. We need wisdom navigating the world around us right now. Oh, come on, parents, we need wisdom for parenting. How many of you agree with me? Children did not come with manuals. I just had a joke run through my mind, but I'm not going to do it. It was total dad joke. His name will be Emmanuel. Does he come with Emmanuel? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, stop it. <laughs> I lost them. They're gone. They're gone. Don't abandon wisdom. Why? Well, she'll watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Why? Because wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom. Remember the Got Milk commercials? They ripped that whole slogan off from here. Get wisdom, and whatever else you get, get understanding. So the first name that we have for Jesus is Wonderful Counselor, Supernatural Wisdom Giver. Number two, every shout number two. Here's the second thing, Mighty God. Now you can't say that lightly when you say it. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. No, no, no. You gotta stick your chest out. Mighty God. Strength. Power, authority. This statement cuts through the bravado of the human ego. It cuts through the vaunted assessment of political power, the false security of wealth and, and riches, and it lays waste to the assumed power of military strength. But come on, if we're honest, aren't these the powers that we usually put our trust in? Come on, can we all collectively agree, agree today that a politician is not going to save us. Come on, do we have unity around that issue today? 
It does not matter who's in office. This is important for us. Please remember this message in 2024. Can I be your pastor today? Can I tell you those little dollar bills in your wallet that represent different names, they do not save you. It doesn't matter how many of them that you have. It doesn't matter how high that name is in the dollar bill scale. It will not save you. Do you know the person who signed your degree will not save you? He or she didn't give you an identity. That piece of paper didn't give you an identity. There's only one who gives you an identity. He is our mighty God. He is the one that writes the name on your life. Come on, someone shout mighty God. This idea speaks to the strength outside of us that fights on behalf of us. And until Jesus returns, I believe this promise is still true for us today. You have a strength that does not naturally reside inside of you. Come on, how many of you agree we all need strength? When Krispy Kreme donuts sitting on your counter, we need strength. How many of you agree we need strength beyond our personalities? beyond our willpower, beyond pedigree. Because at some point or another, you and I will run out of our strength. We need something more significant to sustain us. There's a power greater than what many of us actually allow to be exercised in our life. It's greater than any other human or civilized power. It's the power of our mighty, every shout mighty. It's the power of our mighty God. His name is Jesus. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 20, verses six to seven. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. Don't, don't, don't get tired on me, okay, guys? I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. I love this verse. Listen to what it says. Some trust in chariots. Have you ever trusted in a chariot before? Don't think literal chariot. What are the chariots of our day now? Okay, that went literal. Um, that should have been a rhetorical question. <laughs> this is the best service ever. The chariots, historically speaking in this context, were, they were emblems of power. They were emblems of prestige. They would, they would ride in with a man sitting in the back of this chariot with his horse. They, they represent military strength, might. So you would mess with them. So the psalmist says, some of us trust in that. Some of us trust in emblems of strength, some in horses. But we trust in what? A name. A name. I don't know about you, I, I, this, this message, I'm preaching to myself if none of you are in here today because my natural inclination is to trust in many other names but his name. I've trusted in chariots before. I've trusted in, in, in horses before. And here's the thing that I've resolved, especially over the past couple of years. At times, I've, I've tried to trust in like, man, if you just say this right, and if you can get around the corner with it, if you can bring people along with you, I'm done with that. As your pastor, you just need to know that my main aim every single weekend around here is to preach his name. 
Why? Because it's the only name that we are saved by. Why? Because it's the only name we are transformed by. Why? It's the only name that fills us with the Holy Spirit. Why? It's the only name that got out of the grave three days later. Why? It's the only name that ascended to heaven. Why? It's the only name that sits at the right hand of God. Why? Because it's the only name that's coming back for you and for me. Come on, somebody shout, it's in the name. And so... Mighty God starts out with L, E, L, El Eloah, God, mighty, strong, and prominent. Elohim, God, creator, mighty, and strong. El Shaddai, God Almighty. El Elyon, most high. El Roy, God of seeing. El Olam, everlasting God. And El Gabor, mighty God. The Bible's communicating to us that no matter which way you go, he is your strength for something. If you're depressed today and you do not want to get up tomorrow, he's your God of strength. If you don't have vision for your life and you don't see anything in front of you, he's your seeing God, the God of vision. Come on, when you don't feel like you can keep on fighting for that life that God has given you to live, he is your strong tower. Come on, he is your life. All of these names tell us that God is something for you. He's all around you. So we try to run this way. Oh, L, God, L. You go this way, L. He's got an L for every direction you go. He is all-encompassing. He's almighty. Number three, every shot number three. I love this one. Isaiah calls him our eternal father, everlasting father. This is about Jesus' agency and authority over creation as he is the word behind its origin and the sustaining force of its continuation. It means he made it, he keeps it going, and it will end in him. As simple as it sounds, I want you to hear this today. He's got the whole world in his hands. Oh, come on, I got some old school church people today. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole, bust out the tambourine. Come on, somebody, can we give praise to Jesus that he's got the whole, some of you are like, what kind of weird church should I walk into? But some of us need to get our theology right because we've gotten so confused with this thing. We've gotten so complicated with this thing that we've matured our way past. He's got the whole world in his hands. Come on, you've read enough verses to move you past the fact that he's got the whole world in his hands and we gotta stop doing that. I've read a lot of Bible. I understand a lot of Bible, but sometimes I've gotta come back to the fact that he made it, he's working through it, he controls it, he's gonna end it all. So he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got my world in his hands. He's got my kid's world in his hands. He's got this church in his hands. He's got your neighbors in his hands. He's got your coworkers in his hands. He's got everything that you do, your breath included. Come on, somebody. In his hands. It's got the whole world. Let's go. This is revival right here. We're breaking it out right now. <laughs> now, okay, pause, pause, push pause on the cassette tape. Yeah. 
can you still sing it when the doctor says it's stage four? It's got the whole world in his. Oh, it's a little bit timid now. We got to let you go. It's the second round of layoffs. He's got the whole world in his. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Because the whole world in his hands is much bigger than our situation. Can you still sing it when the papers are served? Can you still sing it in the middle of the custody battle? Can you still sing it when that line that you swore you would never do again is sitting on the table in front of you and all your friends are saying, come on, just this last time, can you still sing it when you are by yourself because you decided to leave it at the table? Come on. And they, and they hear this today. They hate the new you more than they liked the old you. He's got the whole world. See, he's eternal father. He runs it all. And the question is, is as we follow Jesus, can you lean into that? Because a lot of us act like he doesn't have anything under control. You know what's awesome about my kids? Is they never tell Erica and I how to drive our vehicles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I rue the day you die. <laughs> they may one day, but isn't it interesting to your point? Isn't it interesting that the more that we believe that we grow, the more that we believe we have a voice to tell him how to run things? So the other day, I'm going to just tell him myself. I was leaving Harmon's and... Uh, Somebody was not driving well. And I felt it necessary to bring commentary to that in my vehicle. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? And so I was just lining it out, just simply saying how this needed to be negotiated. This is simple to blinker on turn lane. That's why it's been created so that you can turn, so you don't hold us up. You get in the lane, you wait, you pause, you get in. So I was saying all these things. <laughs> so Justice goes, I leaned over to him and goes, hey, did you hear all that? He's like, yeah, apparently everybody but you is a bad driver. <laughs> He's got the whole world. John 1 says, in the beginning, the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and that light, life was the light of men. And listen to this, that light, it shines in the darkness. And yet the darkness did not overcome it. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter one, verses 15 to 20. I'm gonna bring the team up. 
He says that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Here it is. Mighty God. He's before all things. By him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Come on, someone say it's in the name. Charles Spurgeon would sum it up beautifully as he writes this. Oh, Christians, gather with reverence and mysterious awe around the throne of him who is your great redeemer. For his name is called wonderful since he has existed before all things and by him all things were made and without him was not anything made that was made. Oh, Christians, gather around his throne with awe. The fourth one and last one is this. The fourth name that's given to him, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father. And the fourth one, prince of peace. Prince of peace. Now we talked about peace last weekend, but prince was a common word for a government official. So when Isaiah prophesies that he is our Prince of Peace, what that means practically for you and I right now is to understand that Jesus has a governing authority. And underneath his authority is peace. And so when we invite Jesus into our life because of his governing authority, he will rework the governing structure of your heart. As the Prince of Peace, he has, a, he has a governmental authority to come in and rework the governing structure of your heart. So where hate has been the authority, he says, no longer, I'm the Prince of Peace. Where bitterness has been the governing structure, no more, I am the Prince of Peace. Where unforgiveness has been the governing structure, no more, because he is the Prince of Peace. Peace. Y'all see what I'm talking about? He comes in and he reorganizes the governing authorities of our life. That's how we can believe and know and have faith and expectancy that when he invades our life, I can be transformed. I don't have to live according to my past. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. He comes in and he regoverns my life. The question we have to ask is, have you given him the authority to regovern you? That's what it means to submit to him. So when Jesus is my Prince of Peace, I don't look at my situation the same anymore. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't look at this moment the same anymore. Can I tell you something? 2024, wild and out. I already hear people, people are asking me questions. I get emails, I get text messages. What do you think about this? What do you think is gonna happen here? What do you think is gonna happen here? And guess what my answer is, I don't care. 
I don't. 15 of you clap because you got some opinions about it. But guess what? I have a different governing authority in my life. So it does not matter, come what may, I have got the Prince of Peace that is reordering my life. My mind thinks different. My body feels different. My heart beats different. Why? Because I have a different governing authority in my life. The winds come, the storm comes, the rain comes, but I have a Prince of Peace that guides me through it all. Come on, someone shout, it's in the name. So I don't know if your name means Elf Army or Lover of Horses, but the name I'm talking about today, his name means Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And here's what's amazing about his name is that no one bows to Seth's name. No one bows to Chris's name. No one bows to my name. No one bows to Devon's name. No one bows to Tim's name. Come on, somebody. No one bows to Howie's name. There's only one name. That the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Why? Because it's in the name. Come on, and all God's people shouted. Come on, and all God's people shouted. Amen. Come on, would you bow your head and close your eyes in this moment today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. With every head bowed, every eye closed today, no one looking around, no movement. Some of our team's exiting right now, but I'm gonna ask everybody else to stay still. I wanna ask you if you've allowed his name to be over your name. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you said yes to him being your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, everlasting father, your prince of peace? Are you following him? And today we're gonna pray a prayer together. I don't wanna leave anybody out of this prayer today, but if you would be saying in this place today, man, that's me, I need to say yes to Jesus today. I need to say yes to this name. Make this your prayer today. Do not leave this place today without saying yes to Jesus. I'm gonna tell you, it's the most important decision you can ever make. And so with all the faith in the room today, with all the expectancy in the room today, come on, can we just lift our voices up as loud as possible? Would you repeat these words after me? Everybody say Jesus. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Today, I'm repenting of my sin and I'm making a turn and I am following you. Thank you for being the name over my life. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' mighty name.